shelter this podcast is about the biggest bombs in hollywood of the biggest actors slash actresses i think from now on we're just going to say actors for both male and female though yeah, just sure. to clarify so that people know yeah. uh this looks at uh the context of time the trajectory of each actor's career before and after in addition to the co-stars what was good what was wrong and ultimately did the public get it right and we're also going to try and reconstruct it to make it good yeah. or successful or commercially viable have a go yeah Share the rules. The film should be the lowest grossing compared to the budget, not the absolute take of the film. The actor needs to have top billing, so there's no uh, no ensemble casts or supporting actor credits in these. It has to be them front and centre. They have to live and die on the budget and take. Uh, the film has to be more than three years old so that we can fully assess the impacts. So we can see if someone's never worked again, for example. And uh, the bomb will mainly be from the acting community, but we might look at directors if it calls for it. There's some very interesting examples that we'll yeah. maybe come to at some point. With me are uh, Johnny Diamond and Angela Marika, Hello. my friends. How are we doing? Good, yeah. How are you? I'm brilliant, yeah. Yeah, cool. This week is Little Nicky and Adam Sandler's first bomb and his biggest one since 2000. Uh, so Little Nicky cost $85 million to make, according to IMDb Pro. Uh, can see where that goes. Apparently it was $100 million, depending on the source, but IMDb oh. Pro says $85 million. And uh, it made $58 million at the box office in over November, December mm. of 2000 and January 2001. 68% take, which is his worst. Is, yeah, a little bit better. A little bit worse than Spanglish, uh-huh. which I haven't seen, which made 69% back. Great. It's, it's great. It's great. <laughs> I've seen some good reviews. That's like some kind of pathos from Adam Sandler in his film. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's about this little Spanish family. You know, he, he helps them out. It's it's really about family bonding and, and love. Guys, interesting. <laughs> With a sprinkle of a, <laughs> a sprinkle of <laughs> I'm just glad we didn't have to review. That's my boy. Eighty three percent take, which did better. Uh, funny people made a loss actually, which was really disappointing. Ninety six percent. His highest grossing film is Waterboy. Mm-hmm. With eight hundred and nine percent take off uh, the budget, which mm-hmm. which is definitely why he started getting more is, money. Is this where the you can do it guy came from? Is that from Waterboy? Yeah, could have been. Rob he's Snyder. been in. Because he made an appearance. In he wasn't movie. in yeah. Billy Madison, was he? Rob Snyder. Yeah, he wasn't Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. Um. Anyway, but he produced Paul Blart Mall Cop, which made seven hundred and four percent. So, the man. For a few blunders, knows how to make some money at the box office with terrible films. At the time of writing, Uncut Gems had made four hundred and ten percent. Although, Uncut Gems has made well four hundred and ten percent, but that's probably wrong from IMDb because uh-huh. Netflix don't release their take at the okay. box office. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Stephen Brill. This is his first big film, actually. Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, did Mr. Deeds without a paddle yeah, yeah without a paddle and drilled the tailor afterwards but he didn't do anything before which is kind of suspicious yeah. he know? had acting parts in some of Sandler's earlier movies I think he got oh, the he? job as a, as a mate movie because he was his friend yeah he was a friend with Judd Apatow yeah yeah he's actually good yeah <laughs> well <laughs> hit and miss um, <laughs> he uh yeah, because there's in fun- the start of Funny People, it's Judd uh-huh. Apatow and yeah. Adam Sandler in a room right and that's like official footage true so he's probably in there as well um, so yeah, they trusted him and Adam Sandler with a hundred million dollars from this film, Finish. which is interesting. Yeah, uh, other big films it was competing with that year. The Grinch came out, so the uh-huh. uh, Little Nicky came out in November yeah. of two thousand, uh-huh. 
uh, The Grinch was a top grossing film of 2000. Yeah. So presumably it came out around the same time, mm-hmm. Christmas time. Although I'm not sure what uh, what Venn diagram of people are going to The Grinch instead <laughs> of Little Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which one do you take exactly. the kids to? <laughs> Mission Impossible 2 was number two. Again, uh-huh. not a great film. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd rather watch Little Nicky yeah. than that. Uh, Angels and they're don't knock Mission Impossible. They're, they're all fantastic. They're all uh, great. <laughs> the second one was a dip, right? And right. then it got better. I can't remember. I like the, I like the rock climbing scene. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gladiator was number three. Oh yeah, it was yeah. released in the same year. Yeah, okay. that was two thousand. Uh-huh. That's one uh, of my favorite films of all time. So. Wow. That's great. Okay. Well, it didn't bomb, so let's move on. <laughs> you got The Perfect Storm at number four, which I also haven't seen, uh-huh. and Meet the Parents at number five, so I guess that was like the comedy, yeah. the adult comedy that ran away with it that year. Yeah. Little Nicky, I think, was number 65 in uh-huh. the uh, grosses that year, mm-hmm. apparently. So I just think they completely missed the mark on on the movie they were going for there was like a lot of family movies that come out at the same time and although this was rated 12 it wasn't it was rated 12 it was rated 12 oh yeah. my god it was pg-13 it was pg-13 yeah. like rated 12 pg-13 i thought we got more that. liberal exactly mm. and it's just like who's gonna let their kid or bring their kid to watch that a, a movie with like devils with like tits on their head and <laughs> <laughs> it was it was ridiculous and i suppose like in terms of being a sander movie it was it was a fantasy film as well, and it wasn't like any of his other films. And there'd been previous movies that came out in that kind of like fantasy crash humor bracket, like mm. Dogma and Mystery Men. Do you remember the film Dogma? Yeah, yeah. But they're not. They didn't do successfully well. So to follow that suit and think that you can try to, you know, make an impact because you've got this brand. Yeah, it's was, interesting. Yeah, high risk. It was super high risk. Yeah, it's kind of an abstract idea, like bringing in heaven and hell, and the yeah. like that ultimate question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, into a comedy film and like a, an accessible family comedy film it seems 12 that's that's really strange so <laughs> they bring that in that changes everything yeah. in my opinion um, and he did it was it didn't really chime with everything he'd done before he'd done Big uh-huh. Daddy and Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison mm-hmm. and uh, The Wedding Singer which yeah. I, I thought were all class films I, yeah. myself I really enjoy them still mm-hmm. do uh-huh. looking back at them um I was kind of. I suppose that's why he got so much trust to make anything yeah. he could, and maybe yeah. he just was invincible at this point. But it's strange to come in with such a off the wall idea. Yeah, that for sure. Yeah, you could maybe see as a any other genre than a kind of gross out humor uh-huh. film, which it really was, it was effectively. Yeah, I, I think in terms of like the gags and the jokes, it was similar to to the to the previous films that he'd had. Mm-hmm. I just think the theme that he ran with was completely different, and that's and that's why it didn't work. It was just pushing the boat out. Yeah, too far. Mm-hmm. Well, another reason it might have failed in terms of finance was uh, the marketing. $35 million, yeah, is that right? According to the Bond Report. Do- Where does that go? I know. I'd like to know. As, as, well, as well as that cost, they partnered with McFarland Toys and they started releasing toys before the film. <laughs> like little Nicky toys, Heaven Hell toys before the film. For kids? Yeah, before, before the film was, was actually like, released. Or was it, col- was it collectibles? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, you make it makes you wonder what they thought the film was going to be whenever they released it. Yeah, it was, what is the demographic? Yeah, releasing little toys and yeah, crazy. But like you say, there's there's boobs on that guy's Ex- head. Exactly, they didn't. I don't know. I think they tried to like go way too wide with it instead of saying to themselves, "Okay, these people are going to watch it." Yeah. Um, I suppose the other big expense was CGI. Yeah, that must have been. It was actually kind of impressive. I mean, I haven't seen. Uh-huh. 
if I'm putting myself in like a 2000s goggles, if I saw yeah, Adam do. Sandler turning into <laughs> spiders, yeah. it looks pretty high tech. Like, it doesn't look like it was like for, for the time. Yeah, I mean, The Matrix only came out the year before. Uh-huh. And I think if that was in The Matrix, if someone turned into spiders, it might have been kind of <laughs> critically acclaimed. So it would have been admired. I don't know. Yeah. Do you remember the scene whenever. Um, it's him and Valerie, and he goes up to, his, to her window, and he, he starts flying. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and he takes her hand, and they float out across oh, the yeah, city. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just the like, yeah, it's, it's so bad. It's yeah. one of the worst things I've ever seen. Or um, when his dad's lips are just on the seat talking. Oh, yeah. That's, that looks like a cartoon. It's, not, yeah. it's like some, yeah, someone had cut out this picture with Photoshop and just <laughs> thrown it down yeah. on the seat. <laughs> but I thought the the set you know the, the set in hell uh-huh. originally and it was quite it was well textured and it looked really nice i was like flip this is a lot of effort yeah for such a ridiculous movie <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> they well all out on that like hell yeah they did you could definitely as, as you watch the film you can definitely calculate the cost as the uh name of this title suggests they did make it back by some horrendous product placement as in a lot of adam sandler movies yeah uh, Popeye's chicken. Yeah. <laughs> How many times did that appear in the? Uh... Um, it's it's kind of bookended uh-huh. <laughs> when he first comes onto Earth and eats for the first time, and yeah, then yeah. finishes with uh, all the, the ba- devils eating the massive, or all massive Popeye's bucket. Yeah, all the demons <laughs> eating like, the most. Where? <laughs> they have legs. They walked away. <laughs> Popeye's has the power to turn demons into uh, servants of God. Oh, yes. Is. Uh, Popeyes that's what I from it. That's what you read into that. Yeah, that's what I read into that. It's a real theological argument, <laughs> yes, really. Fried chicken. I, I, I personally think that must have been a massive sell for Popeyes. Yeah. But because because I would not have known about Popeyes until watching the movie. Yeah, I don't know how much they would have paid. I suppose like it kind of depends yeah. on your standing in the film. I mean, yeah. Popeyes maybe had the contract. They must have the contract to say no one else is going to market in this film because they're in New York. So weird. That's like the only. Uh, that's like the only thing they advertise in a Coca-Cola. and Coca-Cola and yeah. Pepsi. Yeah. Conversely, but not they they advertised Coca-Cola and then they used because they were like, oh, this tastes, you know, in this. He turned that this Coke tastes like, like Pepsi. Pepsi, but he didn't. He wasn't negative about it. He just mentioned it. It was just highlighting that there's a difference yeah. and it cannot be substituted. No, playing both sides. Yeah. You're damn right, it did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what TV exposed. Bad, bad impression. Good. <laughs> that was actually really good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Really strange. I don't know how you can walk around New York and not accidentally see a McDonald's yeah, in the right. background or KFC. Yeah. They, they, so I think someone said like maybe it's like a hundred grand to place your products in a film, but they yeah. must have been a bit higher. Oh, that's it, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Although was it thirty million higher? Okay, so now we're going to talk about the economic conditions at the time yeah. of the release. Uh, I was trying to find some things. I know it was like the end of the dot-com bubble and yeah, the uh, according the burst, bubble. the tech bubble. Yeah, I don't think that really caused much of like a consumer slowdown. It wasn't like the 2007-08 bubble, yeah. which I still haven't done any research on how much that affected uh-huh. uh, consumption in the cinema. Uh, and there wasn't there weren't many other avenues to watch a film at home or yeah. anything. Like You kind of went to the cinema in 2000. Yeah. Um, there was also an early 2000s recession in Europe, but I don't think that hit the US until 2001 no no it was just at the tail end there at the beginning of March 2000 and then this movie was released in November right okay and that came off the back of the Asian crisis yeah Asian crisis they could be reasons but I suppose part of it is just that they released the Donicky mm-hmm. in November yeah it got kind of critically 
Pans, um, 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. IMDb gave it 5.3 out of 10 overall. Roger Ebert, though, who's kind of well-renowned in the States, gave it 2.5 out of 4. Yeah. Which is, he said, uh, the movie surrounding Nicky is actually pretty good. Probably Sandler's best movie to date. What? Yeah. Is that a job? Yeah, it's a job. I mean, <laughs> Roger would give a really bad review to uh-huh. um, Abby Gilmore. So yeah. I think he's just, there's certain critics have a real aversion to Adam sure. Sandler movies. Yeah. Most uh, of them. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Oh. For all the 90s films? There's some I can maybe understand with Divide the Crowd. I've liked Billy Madison since I was about eight years old and mm. I've revisited it numerous times and mm. arguably it gets funnier. Arguably, yeah, I would, I would, I would argue. Arguably, yeah. <laughs> Even though it only got twenty two percent in Rotten Tomatoes, if we can go back and like look at the rest of his films, that just doesn't matter if 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 they rate lowly, if they're not, if they're critically reviewed as being yeah. awful. Yeah, they're still well, statistically they're going to do quite well. Yeah, I mean exactly. the ones who were saying it's his best film the day were giving it like three stars on average, yeah. <laughs> so it was damning with faint praise to say the least. <laughs> uh, Kim Newman in Empire Magazine also backed that up. Said if you can take Sandler for more than five minutes, is his funniest film to date. I think the consensus was it was a good film. Yeah, but every bit with Adam Sandler and it was bad. Yeah, which harsh, but mm-hmm. you know I can it, kind of agree because of the character that he played, or because it was actually just Adam. Sandler. Yeah, well, what what did we find in the bomb report about the kind of audience perception to Sandler before they released it in the test screenings? Yeah, apparently it was inaudible, so they had to re-loop the dialogue, so I'm yeah. guessing, I'm not sure how that would work, like, do you edit it so that you can't see him in the screen, or does he just have to talk over the way his mouth's going? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have much control over his mouth during the film, do you notice that? Like, yeah. it's not always, Trevor Shari, it's like... He, he just does the voice but his mouth is just straight and you're like oh yeah his mouth's fixed great then, oh wait no continuity and exhausting yeah. to force your face into that yeah they have to do multiple takes and everything oh, and it's like sure oh, yeah he's a he's a real he's a real actor's actor so oh. there he's a committed to the Dedicated craft to the role. yeah so let's get away from all the context and prices and stuff like that and just what do you think of the film so I personally, because I watched the film, at the time I watched the film, I must have seen it on TV or like got a video from ExtraVision. ExtraVision. Yeah. And I remember having the tape that I didn't return. I used to have in the house. So I watched that tape again and again and again. And I loved it. And because, <laughs> I think because of the nostalgia factor. What age were you, Angela? I must have been around seven or so. <laughs> I think this is maybe why I'm like this today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cut the cord, Angela. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I'm re-watching it. I still liked it. And I found all the jokes quite funny because of the nostalgia factor yeah um yeah i think on the whole i thought it was like it's all right i mean i didn't laugh out loud much what i did really appreciate was the running time i so rarely see a one hour 30 film these days and seeing that and like looking at it was great it's such a quick setup yeah i think within 10 minutes you're like into the story you Uh know who you know who nikki is you know who Mm -hmm. the antagonists are cassius Mm -hmm. and uh Risa Fan's character and like you know the dad in the context and like yeah. in 10 minutes you get so much yeah. information and it doesn't feel forced really well, the only bit that feels forced is whenever he says whenever my brother Cassius hit me on the sh- with a face with a shovel it's like the guy probably knows that it's a bit yeah, like, exactly. so that's bit of plot exposition. You've yeah. been living with this mom for thousands of years. Yeah. You don't need to reiterate that. You point. tell me that every time I come in here, Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest problem with the movie is that with the runtime, they, they pretty much told you the whole plot. So remember whenever yeah. they were about to go, or Nicky was about to go back through the, the, 
Fire yeah, yeah, yeah. and they like explain the whole plot in like this conversation yeah. so, between Jimmy and so Jimmy. obviously for the audience yeah. <laughs> and then you should go back <laughs> uh, no we can't help you you must go on your own I do, yeah. <laughs> but I do kind of enjoy the disregard for like the need to like we don't uh-huh. really want to we just want to set up this premise so you can uh-huh. get then again I would have liked more time in hell because yeah. I thought it was the most enjoyable area yeah uh-huh. I, I suppose agree. I mean it, I also enjoyed the, d- the death sequences they were kind of ahead of their time in a way the uh-huh. way the fact that he just kept dying and it was in a comedic way it kind of predates source code and you know yeah. the live die repeat the yeah true tom cruise film yeah they're saying sanders a pioneer well he did rip it off of groundhog day arguably but it was in another concept it was kind of funny to like, see them play with that form yeah. and like to kind of go on and get murders and then come back down and get hit by buses and stuff like that they could have maybe done that more arguably yeah. but Again, if maybe another film. Or... I think they use it like three or four times in one sequence. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. Would, yeah, yeah, perhaps. Bored. Yeah. I quite liked his, uh, I'm going to take a mulligan on this one. <laughs> that was a good line. That made me laugh out loud, yeah. <laughs> and the big the big piece of metal with the light on the end. I liked, I liked the description of a train yeah. the first time. Yeah, it was kind of innocent. Um, on the bad side, the film had a bit of a weird moral compass. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to like the problems but like where are all the women in hell oh well, that's what I want I to know I hadn't, I hadn't even is that a bad thing I hadn't yeah, noticed I don't really know because obviously John Lovitz is uh, peering into the woman who takes her clothes off like no yeah. one has ever taken their clothes uh-huh. off in private before <laughs> I don't know why she it's really voyeuristic I mean we're looking at we're looking down John Lovitz but he did it so well though didn't yeah. he oh, yeah. that laugh is so criminal <laughs> This is a big bird that wants to watch the rest of Mommy. <laughs> oh, he's so funny. I'm a big John Lovitz fan, but yeah, it was a bit creepy that. But yeah, we're like he lands in hell. I don't see any other women. Mm-hmm. I don't think I noticed any women. Yeah, I really like that bird. By the way, that bird is like a thing out of nightmares. The big horny bird. Yeah, the big horny, horny bird. bird. It was really I don't know, really animalist. A really I don't know animated in a certain uh-huh. way that would be terrifying. Like I don't know, the crew. The crew yeah. is a movie, yeah. right? But maybe just the. It did feel a lot like a costume there. Big, it was yeah. a cult, yeah. yeah. But maybe if it's like, you know, the premise is of a horror movie is like someone dresses up as a big crew oh, and murders people. Yeah. Or a big horny bird and <laughs> does other things. Trying to defile. Yes. <laughs> the other bit of a weird moral compass is why do the servants of Satan keep making homophobic and transphobic jokes and why are they so exclusive and mm-hmm. of people who would be ostracized more by the Christian community? Uh, just all the scenes throughout, like all yeah. the jokes about uh, Sanders' flatmate or yeah. Nikki's flatmate, who Todd. yeah, Todd, yeah. they keep calling gay, yeah, and they keep making jokes about being gay, and yeah, uh, and like really... the transphobia was like, oh yeah, no, we're not going to let you in to uh-huh. hell and stuff True, like that. You're, you're right. I think yeah. you like three, three, four jokes throughout the movie. So yeah, like, a time whenever Todd's like, okay, you guys can crash at my pod, and then they're like, uh, I don't think so, Elton John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. They, yeah, they do, and then the, the weird. Um... <laughs> <laughs> He was pretty weird, though. He was, yeah. He was definitely like um, to that music. Yeah, he was a negative depiction. He was caricatures. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, transgender. Yeah, trivialized. Yeah, yeah, dropping hot wax on themselves. Yeah, I mean, there is. There's probably a question mark over whether it was a transgender women or if it was, or even if it was just, yeah, just someone who liked putting on was was putting themselves in wax. So there's maybe you could maybe let them off with that, and it was just a bit of a freak. But even then. It's a bit strange, and it was probably more just. You know, I mean, obviously the dwarfism jokes as well, uh-huh. and the Mexican gardener with Mexican gardener <laughs> and the uh, 
the Asian guy no one yeah. can do. Uh, off the bat, yeah. Oh, yeah, Asian <laughs> yeah. guy no one can do, yeah, yeah. But you just imagine, like, especially for the first bits, like, where it's actually, you know, people from hell making jokes yeah. about people, you'd think they'd be more keen to get involved in anything that was seen to be subversive to Christianity and norms. Yeah. But... I don't think that it, was considered so much. No, it's a 12A, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're more keen about uh, putting down gay people and making gay jokes yeah. and uh, yeah. transgender jokes to... Mm. As wide an audience as possible. Yeah. <laughs> that was the 2000s for you. Um, and why are the church members so gullible? <laughs> yeah. Why Why were they able to turn and turn their back on Christianity? I, I because think the, that was necessary for the plot. Was line. that satanic yeah. mind control? Is oh, that possible? I didn't consider that. I did like the attention to detail with Cassius's character whenever he had the um, tinfoil on his feet. On his feet yeah. yeah, to stop himself bursting into flames, apparently. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. That. I thought it was just like he had like a hot water bottle in his feet or something stupid like that, or he was like keeping oh, him warm because he was in a church. Yeah, apparently because oh, he's in a church, nice. he can't uh, he can't burst into flames. Okay, so that's that's a good side of that episode, but it's so consistency. Weird. And, yeah, and the fact that he points yeah. out that the guy's like cheating on his wife, and the guy that he's with isn't humility. He's like, all right, <laughs> oh, yeah. just waving his arms in the air and like yeah. pumping them, and like. Has he either he's been taken by Satan or he's just that's very weird uh, that he would yeah. instantly celebrate that his best yeah. friend has found out that he cheated on his wife. Adrian at the, at, at the end of the movie talks when he's addressing the crowd again, he says, um, and thank you everybody for being so easy to turn. So I think that was like a consistent plot line. Oh, okay, yeah, I missed it. that actually. Yeah, everybody turned pretty easy. Yeah, and that I think in that's, certain regards, that's interesting actually. Yeah, you're yeah. speaking to uh, that's a comment on yeah, uh, critique yeah. society, yeah, mm-hmm. consumer society, maybe, or people who've sure. already gone to hell. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that was quite clever. Yeah, okay, I'll stand down. Brilliant, stand okay. down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're going into the categories. This is the fun part. Mm-hmm. So, the first one is collateral damage kind of the victims of the bomb who came out worst from this film who didn't work again, invariably. In these disasters, the blame gets put somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we know that Adam Sandler stopped getting trusted with such big money, but did anyone do this film and then just not get hired again, full stop, or in good, well, good movie, but big budget movies? Presumably their payday went down. Uh, we've got a few nominees. Uh, well, I've got a few nominees. We can all pitch in ours. Uh, firstly, I was thinking of Hitler. <laughs> His name was Christopher Carroll. Uh-huh. Uh, and I looked him up and he's done it's hard because he didn't really do much before this and he didn't do much after mm-hmm. so his career is really going to be defined by getting a pineapple shoved up his ass while dressed as Hitler yeah, so sure. yeah that's probably some big collateral damage for yeah. a film that didn't make any money he didn't really yeah. maybe he thought he was going to get risen to stardom uh, what's he doing now? oh what's he doing yeah. now? Yeah. he's done a lot he's done like he's been in one episode of like every TV show in uh-huh. the states ever like Desperate Housewives uh, Jane the Virgin more recently uh-huh. uh just all sorts of films, like Sorry. one episode. So they just tire him for, I don't know, man backgrounds or maybe a few lines and then... Yeah. Can you imagine that that being your biggest rule and every time you go to an audition... Yeah, that guy. Like, you're, you're <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. And you're and you got a pineapple shovel. Do you still ass. have the pineapple? <laughs> oh, his dialogue wasn't... <laughs> you're schneerious, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, never heard one German person say schneerious before. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it has to be German, but we have to be <laughs> <in> English. <laughs> It has to be really anti-Hitler, but we can't be too anti-German. And I think yeah. they failed with that. <laughs> Risa Fan's another one. Adrian. Mm-hmm. He's Adrian. And um, I suppose I think he might be a victim because he was in Notting Hill prior to that and he was quite big in British circles, but I feel like this mm-hmm. might have meant, was meant to be his springboard. Yeah. Into, into the American. Yeah. 
and I don't know if he's been in anything else in the yeah. States since. Yeah. But again, I don't really know much about Reese Vaughn's career apart from being that guy in all the British films and the Oasis song. So he's another nominee. Harvey Keitel, it might have been like the final nail in his coffin on the way to like being a second fiddle and being in the direct line advert more recently. He, um, I, I can't think of anything else he's done since either. He's a big Quentin Tarantino man. And the last one I have is Tom Lister, who's Cassius. Yeah. So I don't think he did anything other. He was, he's actually the guy in Dark Knight who uh-huh. rips the um, bomb detonator uh-huh. off the warden and throws it out. Yeah, I didn't know that. I found out today. Yeah, yeah. those would be my nominees. Anyone? You guys have anyone? In terms of like outside ramifications, yeah, um, not just the acting crew. The production president of uh, New Line Cinema, Michael DeLuca, was was immediately fired. Oh God, yeah, he's definitely the victim of the bomb. Actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he immediately lost his job. Yeah, and that was um, and the funniest bit is he had done something reprehensible like a uh-huh. year before the party. He, yeah, got, he got uh, oral sex given to him uh-huh. publicly at a party, <laughs> at a party yeah. and <laughs> got thrown out. And it was oh. a it was a production party or something, right? Yeah. So like it was production team's party, and they're like, ah, "It's fine." Yeah. But whenever Little Nicky came, that was that was the final straw. That's the that final straw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, there was two other films that he was releasing at the same time, and they both bombed. And then Little Nicky just broke the cameras box. <laughs> but he's he's doing all right now. He's working for I think he's the president of MGM Studios. Oh, okay. Just quite recently with. Either this year or, or last year. Yeah. So he's put oh, that whole party <laughs> scenario behind him and <laughs> a little Nicky behind him. Yeah, he's managed to pull it back. But, yeah. I suppose British Arquette is a weird one because uh-huh. she she was making Boyhood during this time and that, that would eventually win her the Oscar. Hmm. But she didn't do much in terms of big budget films after this. She was kind of always favored for independent movies anyway so that yeah. didn't like she wasn't critically ruined but yeah. i don't know why she did this film if she wasn't yeah. hoping to make maybe some more money or make bigger budget movies yeah um she's kind of underwritten and underserved in this film anyway so yeah, her ca- her character was yeah especially very, made to look very silly yeah made to look really insecure about what she's a good looking person but she put on glasses and yeah, all, yeah. all of a sudden and the, uh, the twenty like, tails. not that good to look yeah <laughs> That's why I make beautiful things. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful things, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's just a weird prop. Like, I don't know. They, I don't think they want any women in this film. The fact yeah. that they got yeah. one. Um, and what are the other ramifications then in terms of did these types of films keep getting made? Did, did How did it change like, the landscape, I suppose, for Sandler and for comedies or cross kind of I think dark comedies? From there, Sandler went on to create... Anger management was it the year afterwards, and also punch. It was punch, a f- yeah. It was a few years, years after. Was a, a anger management. Uh-huh. Um, Three years. Yeah. I mean, I I see this film as like the Sandler jumping the shark. Personally, as someone uh-huh. who was a fan of Sandler films in the nineties, yeah. I feel like it kind of went up, and then with Little Nicky, that's when things start to go wrong, uh-huh. and films mm-hmm. start to become. It's hard to put your finger on exactly what's wrong with uh-huh. Sandler films because there's so many things. <laughs> it's like whenever you like have an argument for something and you're like, yeah, it's really shit. I hate it, but yeah. you know, why? So many things. Yeah. Just look at it, and yeah, that's what Sandler films became for me. After so the nineties, you say you kind of have like two points of view on Sandler films. You enjoy them, but well, I I enjoy them until two thousand until Little Nicky. That's just a real inflection. Which is point. yeah, well, I think so anyway. But then yeah. I do like yeah. with caveats because I like funny people and. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like that was maybe just I don't know what changed if it was a kind of a low confidence thing for Sandler or 
maybe he was too big a star and he still had too much control after that with yeah. the previous films he was still kind of building himself up and he was right. getting checked and mm-hmm. people weren't just saying yeah do mm-hmm. it because it's on Sandler mm-hmm. um, I mean that's still definitely happening now with his Netflix deal and everything yeah. I, I think up until recently with the Netflix deal and he's, he's released some absolute shockers Jack and Jill um, Click was quite bad as well but in terms of the quality of, fi- of film yeah. like Anger Management is actually a decent film Punch Drug Love is actually a decent film oh well yeah um, I would say I wouldn't characterize that but we do get uh, to that but I wouldn't call it a Sandler film you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know it's yeah, like he's sure. the main guy, but uh-huh. it's like completely again. I suppose that's the thing. Like his production company helped uh-huh. with making it, but it's completely out of his control. Uh-huh. But that is the rebound. Um, Roger Ebert in another part of his review, he was talking about Anthony Hopkins saying he put on a mask when he had to portray someone, mm-hmm. and Ebert said, "Isn't it time for us to see the real Adam Sandler?" When I met him, I thought to myself, "This guy has movie star potential," mm-hmm. and he said, "For his next movie, I suggest a mask that allows him to play an adult." instead of an infantile grotesque. <laughs> um, and he arguably maybe took that review to heart because yeah, he yeah. went and did Punch Drunk Love with Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson, which is a really mature film. Uh-huh. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson did cast him because something along the lines of he saw darkness and yeah. a deranged man in Sandler, someone who was like on, yeah. on edge and character. yeah unhinged. And mm-hmm. he utilized that in anger. It's like anger management in Punch Drunk Love, just as this angry guy who... Yeah. has so much deep within that he just explodes all the time and to humour but also to seriousness and like that was what people had that was why people had such a problem mm-hmm. with Adam Sandler they thought that he was they didn't see the humour because they thought he was too deranged I know Mark Kermode and Roger Ebert and other people have said that the reason they don't like Adam Sandler is because why would you root for this guy he's a sociopath and deranged and he's going to fly off the handle and do something unreasonable at any point mm-hmm. and Paul Thomas Anderson used that and I don't know if Adam Sandler maybe was a bit depressed with Little Nicky or if he was just a bit maybe just trying to sample different things or yeah. I know Paul Tom- Thomas Anderson is also a big fan of Saturday Night Live where Stamler made his mark so maybe there was yeah. some reciprocity there but mm-hmm. yeah I mean if that is what caused him to make that film then uh, I think so yeah. yeah it was definitely worth it mm-hmm. um, and while he's on all crap I mean Uncut Jams is kind of a, another indicator that he's on the right track Hopefully. Yeah, great film. And Myrwood Stories, which I haven't seen, but you've seen. Great, yeah. Yeah. Great. Really good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, okay, uh, we'll come on to the uh, the Nope Awards, uh-huh. which is looking at the uh, first thing you saw and you went, oh, why is that there? Or no, like, yeah. just why? I suppose it's more of a what's aged badly because this film is now 20 years old. Yeah. Almost 20 years old. So I suppose what things stood out to you that were really problematic that you would, if you saw now, you would think, how, how's that there? All the characters fit a stereotype with an archetypical type of character, e- even right down to Adrian being like the, the English, the English baddie, and that was yeah a common theme in all those movies at that time. They they sort of stuck to the same formula and made everybody a generic person. <laughs> um, what, what's the name of the the character who steals? John Witherspoon is it? John oh. Witherspoon. He's like <laughs> exactly how I would imagine someone like that to be. He's like got Bob the headband Hogan. on. Yeah, yeah the guy. at the same time, he John Witherspoon played that character his entire career. I don't think he's actually ever played anybody different. And then every woman in the character in, in the film was super submissive. Every woman, there's every like woman two. <laughs> um, apart from the women in the strip clubs. Oh god, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's the how women are um, yeah shown into this. Exactly. Just not not a great light throughout the film. Um, 
and then uh, disability jokes from the get-go with Nicky. Yeah. <laughs> the, way he, the way that he is. But also, <laughs> there was a scene, do you remember whenever Nicky's running away before he turns into a spider? Yeah. Um, and the guys, because everybody thinks yeah. he's a monster, the guys in the wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is that? A cheap gag of them getting hit by the br- going into the bus. Turn. Yeah. <laughs> he turns down the street like I'll turn to get it by the bus. Yeah. It's... He's a true evil genius, little Nick. He had a lot of really, really cheap jokes that people might have really loved at that time, but yeah. I don't think that that would fly in the at this time. Yeah. I mean, as we've said, the transphobic content and the homophobic jokes. The homophobic jokes I thought were the biggest I mean the transphobic was jokes were a complete that's not necessary in the film at all they were yeah. cheap throwaways mm-hmm. um, it probably settled a lot, of audience, a lot of the audience they probably enjoyed it um, but the homophobic jokes for the character Todd the roommate yeah. was really funny anyway as yeah. this kind of failing Broadway actor I don't think we yeah. needed to like just make just one be. I didn't know where they came from either like no. my first thought wasn't he's it's portraying like a man. caricature of a gay man yeah. he's just Portraying this asshole, who, yeah, this pompous yeah. asshole who lives in New York, who kind of yeah anime, wants yeah. to become an actor. Uh-huh. And I thought if you just had that and made that the joke, that would have worked. He thought he was hilarious. I, enjoyed, I loved whenever he joined Nicky and uh-huh. he was crying. <laughs> that, was, that was really good. That was really <laughs> dark. Well, we'll see, yeah. He's confronting his so mum. Yeah, yeah. That's actually quite funny. Is he <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's another question. Is he confronting his mum or is he rehearsing for a script in that? Oh. I think he was rehearsing for a script. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that's going to be double edged as well? You are wrong. I do wonder because I mean it could have been double air. Maybe he's like taking real inspiration by hitting his mum. True, and, that scene uh, was hilarious. Playing it, too. yeah, it was really good. I thought everything that he was in, like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember what, like, his reaction shots to the uh-huh. dog speaking. Uh, <laughs> I mean, woof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I that think was pretty good. He was actually my favorite part of the film, which is why it's more of a shame about the homophobic jokes yeah. and mm. the calling him gay. Um, Apart from like the moral weirdness that it's people from hell being mm-hmm. homophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, my other big note bit is a lot less serious, but it's the pizza that Reese Vans is eating whenever we first see him on Earth. It looks so disgusting. Yeah, what is up with that pizza? It's like undercooked. It's loads yeah. and loads of cheese. It looks really cold. Yeah, it's like, congealed, yeah. Yeah, you th- you'd think that he could do better. Yeah. That's the son of yeah. Satan. I don't know. Maybe like if some you not find fresh pizza is Reese. Maybe he's um one of those guys who's too polite to ask for another pizza or too scared of confrontation that's my only yeah Yeah, you'd think it doesn't match with any of his character traits I mean if I if I was a son of Satan and I was as confrontational as he was and happy to kill people at will I would have maybe asked to heat up the slice or yeah sorry would you mind um... yeah make a fresh one for me I've been in New York I've been in New York pizza slice places and they're typically fresh made Hmm. so yeah that's the question um uh onto the Bechdel bounce which is uh with this film of works with a female character in the lead role? I don't think so. No? I don't think it would have helped at all. It, I mean, not the, with the different script and everything as yeah. well, oh, obviously. Okay. All right. yeah. Had you any Although Nikki is a female name. I mean, I, I would have liked to because it would have increased female protagonists in the film yeah. by 100%. It would have yeah. doubled the female representation until Reese Witherspoon comes in. Uh-huh. There's no other women in that film. Which is really strange that it's such a male-heavy film. I've I've seen other films, but it's just strange that like yeah. Patricia Arquette is really just a device to yeah, she is. make it not weird almost that mm-hmm. there's no women in the film, but her mm-hmm. character serves no. It almost just throws in that romantic element because that that, that that's, yeah, that's yeah. a thing in films. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just there was no need for 
which is a shame. It yeah. would have been it would have been interesting to see. I think there's a kind of there's a consternation among viewers for female protagonists in films mm-hmm. where there's moral ambiguity. Yeah. I think if there was a f- woman who was the lead in this film, yeah. and she was doing morally questionable things, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been comfortable to viewers at that time. Yeah. I, I Even agree. now, I would say yeah. there's a lot of uh-huh. There's still a fight for that, for the heart of that. But yeah. I think at the time, if they had a woman who was the son of the devil or the daughter of the devil, uh-huh. and was going in and I don't know, killing people or breathing bees uh-huh. out, or was doing things that weren't becoming of a lady, it would have also would have been yeah. interesting to see that. Even if it was they did it now, and mm-hmm. like you said before, if they made it like an eighteen, yeah, um, how would that work if it was? I I I an think 18? If, I think if they if they completely rescripted the film and uh, there's there's two actresses that I thought would, would have been perfect for it oh, yeah. um, so rescript the film and not make it crass kind of silly humour but have the devil's daughter this this woman who is going through a hard time everything isn't going so well the thing about Nicky is that everything looks bad for him because he, his face is sideways and they kind of overplay it but if you have this character who just naturally looks as if they're a bit of a depressive and you know like a slight loser yeah, so, yeah. Something, things just naturally go quite wrong for them mm-hmm. um there's this one woman who would do do it perfectly she's she's british first of all i think it would be great if she was a british actress instead because we have that kind of drier slightly funnier humor and mm-hmm. i think that plays well with someone who whose life is a complete mess mm-hmm. um have you ever seen the, the show uncle on, on bbc yeah, no but i know i think i know what you're talking about it's nick something uh, yeah, next, next the uh, the uncle. Well, she plays the aunt in it, and she also played um, a character. This is the first character they've seen her in. Do you remember the, the show episodes? Yeah. On on BBC with Matt LeBlanc, uh-huh. and there's this office worker who's just a terrible person. The woman with the blonde hair, with the weird smile. Yeah, with the weird yeah. upside down smile. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. like she's she, she she's called Daisy Haggard, and I think if she would have played the main character, and like you just see her going through, <laughs> and like she has this she has this upside down smile, and everything. It's like you want to see things kind of go wrong for her. <laughs> yeah. I think if they made the movie around her, it would have been so much funnier. Yeah. Both then and, and quite especially now. Interesting. Do you have another one in mind? Do you say you had a couple? Lake Bell. Lake Bell. Who's um, Lake Bell? Have you seen the movie Man Up with, with Simon Pegg? I know who you're talking about, I think, by you saying that. Was she in something else? Um, she, she's in a movie where she plays... The name of the movie is, is called In a World, where she plays this... Uh, I think her father is this famous musician and she always lives in a shadow and that would have played really really well with the current movie because little Nikki or little Cindy whatever you want to call her is in the shadow of Nikki is a girl's name as well (laughs) exactly yeah she's in the shadow or he's in the shadow of both the siblings and the father Mm -hmm. um and I could just imagine her kind of like scuffling about and just being completely hilarious like genuinely hilarious not this cheap humor Mm. um that would have made for far far better movie she was also Vanessa Fisk in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse the wife of Kingpin that's a great movie yeah that's a good film so uh, yeah that's where my knowledge on Lake Bell ends (laughs) (laughs) and we wrap that up (laughs) I didn't know we were doing a recasting the female category so I'm not prepared (laughs) I did know that we were doing a recasting of directors in the misdirection category yes Um, so we're trying to think of a new director to given you spin to this film to maybe save it and improve it because yeah. as we've clarified this director was highly underqualified for this movie uh-huh. uh it was kind of uh jobs for the boys 
as they call it, the category. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So um, I'll I'll go first. I sp- I've got a couple, but uh, I'll start with uh, given the, as we've said, morally ambiguous compass mm-hmm. of the film, uh, the use of cameos, including himself, and the mm-hmm. fact that he was already there. I'm going to go for Quentin Tarantino, yeah. who yeah. plays the crazy preacher. They maybe got some discount on a uh, actor director. Uh, kind of combo maybe it would have been a bit cheaper uh, I, uh, this is nothing stylistically it's just more the fact that he was there and this film is quite lazy yeah. so maybe he's quite good, it so. would have been interesting yeah. and also Harvey Keitel is in it which is a big plus as we've established for Quentin yeah. uh, okay. what about you guys I have you heard of the uh, the Duplass brothers I have, what have they, they done so well they did one of my favourite comedies of all time this movie called Creep it's basically like um, oh, I, yeah I've seen that Creep it, it's you know. quite like a how I think they should have shot the film is quite like you know what they what we do in the shadows and made it not yeah. like forget all the CGI and just make it look crappy in the most hilarious way um, like and that also would have cut down the production cost as well and then they could have made a much much better film and just used this used a set as it was instead of having this massive backdrop and song and dance um, and I think so this guy the Duplass brothers made this particular movie two kind of sci-fi-ish films this movie called um, Safety Not Guaranteed where the guy goes through and and he's supposed to be a time traveller but you're, you're so caught up in the dialogue of the film that I thought it was Colin Trevorrow was it? Colin Trevorrow Trevorrow yeah was that not him? no no what did he do? Sure. He, he was meant to do he did Jurassic World and he was meant to do the third the ninth Star Wars film uh-huh. but he got replaced by J.J. Abrams 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 yeah but I still I still stick by getting those two to direct it and um, have it, or even Taika Waititi in that kind of style, where not massive production costs. It's, it, and also having hell. Do you remember when we were we were uh, so we were going to the library the other day, me and Johnny, and uh, we were in the car. We must have been in the car for one hour. So um, looking purgatory <laughs> for a parking spot. So having hell just looked like. It's a party of what we hate to do in mm-hmm. life. So okay. either looking for, for a parking spot or being in an office and thinking. Yeah. So what we conversated about in the car was we hope oh all uh, our hopes and dreams. Our hopes and dreams. Like Yeah, we're gonna make it, man. Yeah. Gonna I'm great. gonna be in e commerce and what are we gonna do, JD? Oh, decision. oh it's gonna be but, great. But the joke is that 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 you're stuck there forever. <laughs> and if they if they would have done that, um, for hell instead of making hell this massive set yeah stereotypical hell with of. with demons and stuff and I thought I think that would have been sick yeah. yeah if it was just a very dull place yeah. a very dull place <laughs> and also whenever they came back up to, to earth and you realise that hell wasn't so different from, from the earth they were yeah. on oh yeah really, the nice commentary really funny yeah. an interesting commentary kind of a, a satire mm-hmm. uh, yeah my, my other one was uh, Richard Donner uh, again not for stylistic reasons but he directed The Omen when uh, mm-hmm. in the 80s yeah. And then he went on to direct Goonies and Scrooge and Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2 and 3, yeah. I think. So you've got that kind of understanding of the workings of theology yeah. and hell, uh-huh. uh, hell on earth and the comedy aspect, yeah. Yeah, which true. maybe would have been an option. Uh, the film would have been much better hands. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's there's some action in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it maybe wouldn't have been as expositiony. Yeah. I would have maybe accepted more than 1 hour 30. In, in those circumstances yeah <laughs> that'd be 140 yeah <laughs> not against 1 hour 30 films but whenever a comedy like comes on I see it's like two, two and a half hours long and it's yeah. like Amy Schumer uh-huh. um, 
Northanger. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Or Will Ferrell has a lot of True. plus two horror movies. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, a big pass for me. Hard hmm. no. Uh, no. Uh, okay, second chance. This is uh, we need to think of a movie plot for uh, a potential sequel. If this film had been successful in a hypothetical parallel universe where things have been successful, uh, I'll pitch this one. Um, toward the end, we see uh, Chubbs from Happy Gilmore come and he's uh, come in and he's a uh, mm-hmm. dancer, which made me think. I'm not sure how universes in heaven work if they all come from parallel universes, but yeah. that to me implied that Little Nicky and Happy Gilmore are in the same universe or in the same world. Yeah. So, yeah, surely that needs to come together in some way. Uh-huh. I'm not sure how exactly. I mean, they're, they're kind of similar in plot, in a way. You have someone who comes from evil and anger yep. in both films, and then uh-huh. Happy Gilmore finds his happy place, yeah. and he goes to a happy universe where he becomes better at things, and uh-huh. little Nicky releases the good. Yeah. So I'm not sure if there's a, a kind of thematic thing there that might have worked in the sequel. Or maybe... You'd something you have to have a, ma- a new main character then. Yeah, you could. I mean, it would have been Sandler's first <clears throat> foray into the kind of Eddie Murphy uh-huh. side of things of uh, like playing loads of different people or yeah. the Mike Myers aspects True. of things. He never really did that, did he? And yeah. seeing as he's no. so keen, jail, but we don't talk about. That. Oh shit! Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that. We don't, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good point. Um, I, I kind of thought maybe like because he has had a kid mm-hmm. who's the son of the son of the devil. Ah uh, yes, quarter, yeah. quarter devil. Quarter yeah, with him. maybe you have yeah. like little Nicky's little little Nicky or little Nicky's little mm-hmm. Nicky versus Happy Gilmore's son. Maybe uh, little Gilmore's or yeah, and they go to high school. Little Happy's, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe they hate each other or yeah, like each other. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a buddy comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and Chubbs and Jimmy are their mentors. From heaven um, and hell, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or something, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah. How, how theological do we make the second one? Is it just like we completely forget about uh, Little Nicky in the past, or because it was successful uh, in a hypothetical world that's successful? Presumably, people enjoyed uh, the aspects of hell and heaven. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you'd probably have more of that. So you maybe would have them. And you see Chubbs from heaven waving. Yeah, at the end with Abraham Lincoln and the crocodile. The, ha- the happy kills <laughs> so it could be like a kind of Star Wars thing where uh, they're they're talking down to them and giving them guidance they're, yeah. like they're force ghosts mm-hmm. but uh, it's like, kind of force ghosts and force uh, demons yeah yeah like the demon child could be like the um you know, like almost like the second coming. Yeah, <laughs> coming thing to store them. Yeah. Have you ever read uh, Terry Pratchett's Good Omen? Good Omens. No, haven't. So, so he, the child, the child's like the sex, sick, sick devil. The beast, the beast has come, and uh, he has a, an angel and a demon. And that, that would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Richard Donner again, uh, director of The Omen, bring him back in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this comes full circle. Uh-huh. Good stuff. All right, and uh, wrapping up, final verdicts. Did the public get it right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, they did. Definitely. I'm in two minds about this uh-huh. because this is not his worst film. What do you think it is? <sighs> There's so many. I mean, I haven't. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of. I suppose I'm giving him a hard time because I haven't seen all the films that I know are bad. Mm-hmm. But there's just kind of. I haven't seen Jack and Jill. Awful. Awful. I've Awful. seen Pixels. That's definitely worse than mm-hmm. Happy Gil than uh, Little Nicky. Yeah. So, I suppose my confliction is yes, they got it right because yeah. it's not a great film. There's a lot of problems with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of lazy. Mm-hmm. But 
just so many worse films. And Grown Ups has yeah. got a sequel. I forgot to say, there's been two Grown Up movies, which again, but Grown Ups is understandably okay. Like you can see why a family would want to see that. You, I, I, I can. <laughs> you can understand why I would want to sit with my with my mum, my little sister, and, and watch that movie. Yeah. That's a nice family film, but <laughs> Little Nicky is not. <laughs> also, in in the week that Little Nicky was released, so it was Charlie's Angels, which is also mm-hmm. just a family classic that had many many other sequels. So. Do you think it's good? doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> 2000 was a year to forget I suppose and uh, the public continue to baffle me with what they will and won't see uh-huh. we'll continue this uh, in the next episodes or, I'm not sure what we're talking about but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening here we are <laughs>